Welcome back to the program. On the morning of August 7th, 1974, 40 years ago, Philippe Petit illegally strung a tightrope between the towers of New York's World Trade Center, then under construction, and for 45 minutes performed a ballet in the sky as he moved back and forth across the wire. He was more than 1,300 feet above the ground without a net. The story of this feat was captured in the Oscar-winning documentary Man on Wire. But however powerful that feat was in its own right, it was also a metaphor, a metaphor for rebellion, chaos, organization, faith, and fearlessness that would animate Petit's life and which, if looked at in the wider context of today's world, animates all that is good and necessary about change and progress and fear. It is my pleasure to welcome Philippe Petit to this program to talk about his new book, his 10th book, Creativity, the Perfect Crime. Philippe, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, and that was a beautiful introduction. Well, thank you. It's great to have you and uh, great to talk to you again. One of the things mm-hmm. that, that one is reminded of when one thinks about all that you've done in your life and also looks at this book, Creativity, the Perfect Crime, is the reminder that it is really rebellion to a very real extent that really drives creativity. Talk about that. Well, um, this is not a thought. This is a result of of living through a life of creativity. I found out that the spirit of rebellion is uh, inherent to that of creating, meaning that if you start your creation, if you start developing an idea within a certain boundary with rules, you know, uh, lurking around you, you're not going to uh, freely uh, invent. You're going to be guided by conventions. And uh, Thus, the, the, the idea of the, the rebellious thinker is the only way of thinking, in a way, for me. But in many ways, it is a world and a set of ideas that are filled with contradictions, because on the one hand, chaos and rebellion are very much a part of driving that creativity, but on the other hand, it is organization and practice and experience that really shapes it in ways that create something meaningful. I uh, welcome contradictions. And what is life but a festival of contradiction? I mean, we are born, we die, we shed tears, we laugh. Um, it's, it's, again, the, the word balance comes to mind, not because I am a, 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 a man of balance by profession, but truly, uh, the art of living isn't the art of living, uh, the art of balancing on a tightrope of contradictions. It's interesting that when we think about business, for example, today and change that's taking place in so many areas, that the phrase that is most often used is creative destruction. I think that really does get to the heart of it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but again, in in um, in disruption, there should not be any um, any feel of hurting anyone. You see, m- when I do illegal work, I very often, with a grin, say it's like a bank robbery. Well, in a bank robbery, you you hurt people, you steal uh, property. In a illegal highway work, I offer, I give, I inspire, I change people's lives. So it's a very different process, even though the spirit uh, might be a little bit parallel. Yes, but but the the contradiction, I suppose, of that is that you also talk about the idea that in preparing, in in trying to be creative, that you often see yourself as kind of a thief of knowledge in so many ways. 
Yes, yes, I, I have used that uh, sentence a, a few times and I find it beautiful because in a way I am a, a gypsy traveling through life. I had maybe the chance, that's the way I see it, I had the chance of not having a classical education and upbringing. I was really a wandering troubadour and at heart I am still uh, such a person. So I am going left and right in life and I, I pick up, I like the word still, I still knowledge and then I make it mine. Um, that is the the discourse of an autodidact. You know, I, I feel through my life, I learned everything I learned by myself. And yet, so much of what's successful, even in traditional education today, is and, and the deeper learning that students sometimes come away with, comes out of exactly the kind of experience that you're talking about, the kind of experience that got you thrown out of five different schools. Well, yeah, y yes and no. The, you know, I, I approach school sometimes because I give lectures and I uh, uh, talk to students in university when I do so. And somehow I have a long list of, uh, of, of subjects that, in my opinion, should be taught in school at an early uh, phase, uh, such as, I give you some example, uh, intuition, uh, surprise yourself, uh, profit from your mistakes, uh, improvisation, uh, passion. Uh, um, we have, you know, we have calculus and geography and history, but the the human uh, um, talents that we harbor inside us are not very often um, encouraged to uh, bloom uh, at an early age. So that's what I rebelled uh, against when I was a little kid. And of course, you talk about it. I mean, you just were talking about it in terms of being an autodidact. The fact is that there is no one recipe, one size fits all for anybody's learning. Well, that's why I didn't want uh, this book to be another discourse and, and uh, as you say, a, a treatise on, on the subject of creativity. I wanted it to be a very alive book, very personal, where I don't teach the reader anything, I don't give secrets, and I don't propose exercise. I do almost the opposite. I open doors, and I share with them in a, the most honest way my life in creativity. Um, so it's a, it's a book of, a, of somebody who, who do things, not somebody who has a, a thoughts to, to really impose. Talk about that creativity and the role of experience that goes along with that chaos, one of the contradictions that we were touching on before. Well, again, since I am not giving any recipes and I'm just sharing what happened to me in my life and what worked for me in my life, anybody can just pick up what will work for them. But I found out it is true and it's almost a universal process that very often we or I start a, 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 a journey toward a goal, a dream, let's say, even the impossible dream, by accepting all kind of ideas, all kind of concepts, and I, I will summarize that with the word chaos. And then, of course, you cannot build upon chaos unless some order uh, draws in, and that order comes naturally. The pile of cows will not re remain a, mini, a messy pile for much longer, um, but also the creator has to order, uh, put order in that chaos. And then out of order uh, comes a, a plan, and then the plan will lead you step by step to, uh, to success, to your goal. And in many ways, it's finding that balance, as you talk about, the idea that life in many ways is taking these contradictions and finding the balance between all of these competing interests. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, and really balance, not only because I am a man of balance and I made it my life, but balance is so essential to life, like as, as air and water. Uh, but sometimes we have forgotten it. I mean, look how people walk and observe the way they, they walk in the city um, or in life. Um, the, walking and like breathing is something that we take for granted, but it's, it's an art actually. So that's why I, I spend a lifetime uh, uh, perfecting the Art of walking in thin air. Talk a little bit about the notion of mischief. You you touch on that in the book. This this idea that mischief is is a fun thing, a good thing, a creative thing. Absolutely, um, I w- I will pick up on 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 the creative part of mischief because mischief is is playful. But when you play, you actually almost uh, at your best as a creator because again you don't accept any rule. Although games have rules, of course, but the playfulness in life is almost a free uh, a free willing uh, uh, activity, and uh, it means you're exploring in all kind of direction. And again, we we are approach the, the, the world of contradiction there. So I think we, generally speaking, on this 21st century full of progress, we take ourselves much too seriously. We forget to um, surprise ourselves. We forget to make a fool of ourselves. And in those moments of playfulness come some of the most amazing human inventions sometimes. So to study is good, but to play is equally creative. Talk a little bit about your own evolution and how, over time, these ideas have solidified in your own mind. As you say, there is no one-size-fits-all, certainly not one recipe, but the ideas that you put forth in Creativity, The Perfect Crime, talk a little bit about how you've come personally to these ideas and these understandings. Well, those ideas didn't come from me, um, you know, holding my, my head with the hands and <laughs> trying to think uh, and to order my thoughts. They came from life, from doing things, from banging my head against the wall, from making mistakes, from trial and error, and from very arduous daily practice as a magician, as a juggler, as a high artist, and many other arts I practice. So... I like that. I like that uh, instead of being a theorema um, or a theoretical uh, discourse, it's life uh, talking. And there's nothing more powerful than life talking. That's how you, you can really feel yourself living. And that's where most of my creativity from, from age five or six, when I learned magic by myself, till today when I continue to uh, refuse to, uh, to um, sit down in a comfortable system of creativity, but to surprise myself every day. That's how, actually, I I, uh, continue to create and feel myself living. One of the other things that you talk about, and it was certainly true of your work as a high-wire artist, but also true of the creative process, that you're deeply in the moment, and that when you're finished with it, there's this sense of exhaustion and exhilaration that comes out of it. Well, my intense focus that I... uh, cultivated, created, and cultivated and lived through um, that is necessary to uh, hold my life on the wire and is equally necessary for, you know, throwing balls in the air and, and making a card disappear. Um, that focus uh, takes uh, uh, all your 
ability, body and soul, I would say. So, of course, after doing a performance of any kind, but mostly uh, in the middle of, uh, of the sky, um, I am completely empty. I used to say I'm dead, dead tired, meaning I need, you know, a few days to uh, recuperate. But um, it is true. It is a good thing. It's a good fatigue when you feel yourself exhausted with joy because you just did something meaningful and something inspiring to others. Um, so I feel that most of the time when I create, when I do performances, I work so hard to the point of the performance. And after that, I am a, a zombie. I am an empty envelope, you know, and I need to, to build my energy again for the next uh, achievement. What do you understand about this whole business of, of creativity and creative destruction, all the things we've been talking about? What do you understand about it today that you didn't understand 15, 20 years ago? Well, it's not so much understand. You know, a lot of my process is intuitive, and uh, I sometimes uh, lack uh, asking myself uh, profound questions because I am busy galloping through a phase of my life. And um, certainly it has a, a lot of value. Maybe it's not the only value to gallop through life, but I think uh, to stop uh, too long and to ask yourself question is um, is maybe also not a, a good way of living so i am uh, leaning toward the 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 former galloping through life and not the latter asking myself profound questions and yet by going through life from project to project and never stopping those questions uh, gently fall from the sky and you want to know why you failed in this why were you successful there why people come to you after a performance and say you change my life I believe in moving mountains so that of course takes a lifetime to uh, answer those questions but uh, now I try to do a little bit of both I continue to create and I try to make sense out of life and how much time do you spend looking back at some of these things I mean even coming up on the 40th anniversary of the the walk at the World Trade Center well, um, personally, uh, I am very attached to the past. I, as if uh, my present and my future needs an attachment to my route and to the achievement that I have done. Sometime in a lecture, in an arrogant way, I say, you know, I have done the impossible not once, but many times. But actually, it's true. So I love to not lean back so much as to remember those moments, not because of uh, nostalgic or, or the, the, the egocentric need of uh, seeing what I have done, but really as leaning on, as empowering my next step. It's almost to, to say to myself, if I, were, I was a ball long time ago to do that, I should be able today or tomorrow to do this. So it's almost part of my creative process to not forget the past. Um, it's also beautiful, for example, we, uh, the word tradition is a beautiful word because it encompasses thousands of, of, of hours and, and, and uh, a lifetime of doing something. Um, so I, I respect tradition in the same way I respect old tools who have been proven in the hands of craftsmen for thousands of years. So I, I like the past and I, I must say I uh, cultivate the past and I lean on the past but that should not be the only way of creating. And do you see connections? Do you see threads in looking at those, those connections to the past? Do you see things that have been consistent throughout your life, no matter what it is that you've done? 
Yes, yes. And uh, you mentioned a, a second ago about the 40th anniversary of my walk between the towers, which will be this year on August 7th. And of course, I want to be on the wire that day. I actually, I'm planning something and I cannot tell you where yet, but I would like to do a show. And actually, you see, the, the World Trade Center show was really a great surprise, but it was in a way frustrating for the audience because they were not called in before. It was a surprise. And also, they couldn't even see me. I was a literally a dot in the sky. So for the 40th anniversary of it this year on August 7th, um, I think I'm going to do a, a beautiful little performance in Hampton in a beautiful garden. And I want to use the same length of the wire, the same diameter, the same guideline, the same tensioning system as a clander to uh, the historic walk. But I also want to be much slower you know, uh, maybe uh, 20 feet off the ground, so people can see uh, my face, can appreciate the detail of my choreography. So, in a way, it will be, you know, uh, as interesting as the World Trade Center in a different way. Um, and uh, at the moment, I call the show Look Up. Do audiences change? Have audience the change in audiences impacted how you do things, what you want to do in terms of your performances, because expectations today are so much higher. As you say, 40 years ago, you were a dot in the sky. Today, everybody would expect close-up cameras and, and, and exactly. some kind of special well, event. Well, yes, the, I, I feel it, it's a very uh, delicate subject for an artist to talk about how his or her audience has changed uh, or in uh, an evolution of, of the audience. But I felt that throughout the decades. Let's uh, give as an example my street juggling um, uh, act, which I perform in, in a parks all over the world, illegally, of course. I never asked for a permit, and that's why I was arrested so many times. I continue to do it irregularly, and whenever I do it uh, these days, let's say, in the past few years, I have felt a change in the audience. First, physically, the audience are uh, most of the people. They are on their cell phone. They're photographing you or videotaping you. They have their little earphone with music. They, they are surrounded by electronic little world, and it seems that their senses are dull. They smell, they touch, they see, they, 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 you know, they taste uh, less of life. Um, and I feel that in my street juggling because I don't talk to the people. I'm a silent uh, comic character, and I play with them and um, I feel that many people go through life not looking around uh, suddenly not looking up at the top of buildings and dragging their feet and um, it's a little bit like in those mag uh, fashion magazine if you turn the page quickly you will see that most models and maybe it's not the fault of the model but of the photographers directing them are slouching in on coach they are like they, their face look that they have no thought and this um, apathy this human negativity upset me immensely because it's almost the, the opposite of life and then it creeps on you if you look at the 12 pictures of somebody slouching in a coach how can you stand erect and, and start running toward achieving something so anyway I, I don't know if I digress here but uh, yes I do feel throughout uh, what we call progress of our generations I feel in a way a regress I feel that uh, we, we are less and less uh, uh, human animals and becoming more uh, robotic-like. And as an artist, how do you compensate for that, especially since, in terms of many of the things you do, not all of them, but certainly some, that with respect to yourself, age has an impact as well. Time has an impact. 
It's, it's a beautiful question how an artist or how high as an artist uh, compensate for that change and also the, the, the age uh, factor. Uh, um, first, the age factor for me doesn't count at all. I, I refuse to grow old, only my body is growing old and I have no problem adjusting. Actually, I master more my craft every year than uh, when I was a bold 18 years old trying to prove something. But um, this, um, this changing audience, how does an artist uh, um, adjust to it and I think it is by doing just the opposite not by showing ultra modern futuristic way of walking the wire but going back to the old tradition of walking the wire in a pure way and that will actually almost shock people it will inspire them uh, in the, the world of sophistication um, and bombarded by uh, you know pixel as we are if you see somebody walking in thin air and not trying to frighten you by doing you know circus pyramids but just the art of walking i think it will transform your soul it will bring you back to to what is pure and what is simple and what i think I think we, we tend to forget uh, the essence of life and the beauty of life. What is it you still want to do that you haven't done? Uh, <laughs> well, um, I continue to, to fight. It's funny I use that word, but to fight for uh, doing my, my book, my film, my, my uh, one-man show, my constructions, uh, my, uh, um, my lectures. It's, uh, I have so many projects, my high-wire works, of course. So the important thing for me is that I continue to practice my art. Like three hours a day, I, I juggle and I uh, walk on the wire, and I continue to have projects and uh, that's that's what I want to do as an artist. I want to work. Uh, I think every artist wants to do that. I want to express myself, and and I am glad that people say I inspire them by doing so. So basically, I have uh, many projects, um, and you will hear soon about them. Philippe Petit, the book is Creativity: The Perfect Crime. Philippe, it is always a pleasure. I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, I had a great pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.